You're listening to a lonely gay boy and his co-host discuss horror movies, and not the good ones. A horror enthusiast podcast in which me, a lonely gay boy, and my co-host discuss horror movies, and not the good ones. Thanks for tuning in, new friend. Hi there, dear listener, and good day, or or good night, I guess. I, I'm not going to dictate, you know, what time you listen to this podcast. I'm just, I'm just thankful that you do. Well, I'm, I'm really sorry to have to say that this isn't going to be a regular episode. My co-host and I will be back next week to cover Deathbed, the bed that eats. I'm really looking forward to it. That movie is just plain terrible. Just watching it made me wish we'll Save it for I... next week. So what happened is we lost our recording space this week thanks to the annual North American fisting competition that my neighbor's hosting. But we'll be back next week, I super promise, with, with our regularly scheduled episode. Well, I didn't want to leave you all hanging. So th- this is just going to be one of them mini-sodes. It's unfortunate we lost our space this week, but I am so rooting for your neighbor's sub to win a fisty. He has put in the work this last year, let me tell you. Oh, I, well, I didn't know that you even knew my neighbor's puppy. Oh, sure. We've gotten to know one another the last few weeks. He is a delight. I'm even considering inviting him into my book club. <laughs> oh, ah, yeah. The, uh, the book club you said that I, that I wouldn't be a good fit for? That, that book club? Um, Kev, Kevin, maybe we should just get back to the minisode? Well, I, I guess, I guess so, just... Just thought if there was this opening in your book club, you know, maybe I'd, maybe I'd get the invite. You know, that, but that, that's just silly. Forget it. It's, forget Look, it. it's, it's not a slam against you. A book club should have a wide variety of members who bring out the best in each other. And it's just that I think your neighbor's submissive puppy cum slave will really gel with the rest of the book gang. Well, yeah, yeah, I, well, I get it. I, I don't even want to be in your, in your book club. Well, I, I mean, if you change your mind, I'd, I'd consider it. I hope you know that. Well, it's fine. It's, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Look at it this way. It's, it's just that we do this podcast every week, and I didn't think you'd want to socialize outside of this. I'm quite sure if I spent hours working with your neighbor's puppy sub-cum-whore bitch boy, that, that I wouldn't want to have him over to my house to discuss, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret. Yeah, like, I, to- I totally get it. Let's just move on already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, listener, 
I thought it would be fun if, for this mini-sode, we performed monologues from movies. I adore a good monologue. All too often, screenwriters are told to keep the dialogue flowing, keep it snappy, keep sentences short, to move the story along. But, paradoxically, the actors are drawn to meaty roles with monologues. There's been quite a few indie screenwriters who will write a speech figuring it'll end up being cut, but hoping that it'll attract a name to the project. And as we all cynically know, filmmaking is all about attaching big names to projects. Oh, that's super interesting. Well, I'm, I'm going to start our monologue mini-suit off with a famous speech by Dr. Loomis from the original Halloween. Well, if you will uh, be so kind as to cue me with Sheriff Brackett's line, uh, we'll, we'll begin the scene. Seems to me you're just plain scared. Yes, yeah, I, I am. Uh, well, I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding in even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Well played. Loomis is that rare character who is perfectly over the top in a more grounded reality. Now for my first monologue, I'm going to recite Katie's short speech in the first paranormal activity. No, you haven't been having any progress, and you're not in control. It is in control, and if you think you're in control, then you're being an idiot. Not a single thing you've done has helped, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but the camera hasn't helped, and the stupid footprints haven't helped. Do you think that thing would have left footprints if it didn't want to? No! It did it because it wanted to. It wanted you to find my photo. It can be anywhere. It hears what we're saying right now. Cool, cool, cool. 
is so much potential that was just never realized. Okay, uh, next up, a little Hannibal Lecter from the Silence of the Lambs. You know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rube, a well-scrubbed, hustling rube with a little taste. Good nutrition has given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor, white trash, are you, Agent Starlin? And that accent you're trying so desperately to shed? Pure West Virginia. What was your father, dear? Was he a coal miner? Did he stink of the lamp? And oh, how quickly the boys found you. All those tedious, sticky fumblings in the back seats of cars while you could only dream of getting out getting anywhere, getting all the way to the FBI. That was not the speech I was expecting, but talk about campy melodrama, Silence of the Lambs is the best bizarro horror flick. Next up, I'd like to give a little love to Mrs. Voorhees from Friday the 13th. <gasps> oh my lord, so young, so pretty. Oh, what monster could have done this? Oh god, this place. Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned? the year before those two others were killed. The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. I was working the day that it happened, preparing meals here. I was the cook. Jason should have been watched every minute he was. He wasn't a very good swimmer. We can go now, dear. You see, Jason was my son, and today is his birthday. Oh, I, I couldn't let them open this place again, could I? Not after what happened. Oh, my sweet, innocent Jason, my only child. Jason, you let him drown. You never paid any attention. Look what you did to him. Look what you did to him. Oh, wow. Uh, Mrs. Voorhees doesn't have a lot of screen time, but oh, Betsy Palmer owns every frame she's in. Indeed she does. <coughs> oh, fuck. And that sound means uh, we're gonna segue into the last rounds of monologues, and uh, instead of instead of horror movies, uh, we're gonna perform speeches from Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece film *Magnolia*. 
an all-time favorite. Well, it's such a such an insane melodramatic art piece that it's it's impossible not to love. Okay, first up, uh, I'll be performing the uh, Seduce and Destroy, acted in the film by one uh, Thomas Cruz as Frank T.J. Mackey. Respect the cock and tame the cunt. Tame it. Take it on headfirst with the skills that I will teach you at work. And say no. You will not control me. No. You will not take my soul. No. You will not win this game. Because it is a game, guys. You want to think it's not, huh? You want to think it's not? You go back to the schoolyard and you have that crush on big-titted Mary Jane. Respect the cock. You are embedding this thought. I am the one who's in charge. I am the one who says yes. No. Now. Here. And it's universal, man. It is evolutional. It is anthropological. It is biological. It is animal. We are men. So great. My personal favorite speech from the film is Linda Partridge's Pharmacy Breakdown. We've all seen Julianne Moore play the role, and this is my interpretation. By the way, I'll need you to feed me one line as one of the two pharmacists. Oh, oh sure. Take it away when you're ready. Who the fuck are you? Who the fuck do you think you are? I come in here... You don't know me. You don't know who I am, what my life is. You allow the balls, the indecency to ask me a question about my life? Well, well please, lady, uh, why don't you just calm down? Fuck you, too. Don't call me a lady. I come in here, I give these things to you, you check, you make your phone calls, look suspicious, ask questions, I'm... Sick. I have sickness all around me, and you, you fucking ask me about my life? What's wrong? Have you seen death in your bed? In your house? Where's your fucking decency? And then I'm asked fucking questions? What's, <laughs> what's wrong? You suck my dick. That's what's wrong. And, and you? You fucking call me a lady? Shame on you. Shame on you. Shame on both of you. And that sound means uh, we gotta amp it up to 11. Our last segment will be my favorite scene from Magnolia. I'll be playing Quiz Kid Donnie Smith, played by William H. Macy in the film. He's drunk and in love with a young, dumb bartender at the gay bar he frequents. He was a former quiz kid 
whose glory days are far behind him and his record's about to be broken. So he drinks at the gay bar beside his frenemy, Thurston Howell, played by the always incredible Henry Gibson. My co-host will be reading Howell's lines. My absolute pleasure. Ready when you are. Are you sure you wouldn't rather perform this scene with my neighbor's puppy? Use that. Take those feelings, roll them into a ball of dough, and shove it into your guts. Then you read the fuck out of these lines. Well, well I, but I feel like I'm not being heard. Use it! Feel it! Three, two, one, action! Well, I'm sick. Well, I'm sick here now. I confuse melancholy and depression sometimes. Mm-hmm. You see? Why don't you run along now, friend? Your dessert is getting cold. Well, I'm sick. Stay that way. I'm sick and I'm in love. You seem the sort to confuse the two. Well, that's right. That's, that's the first time you've been right. I confuse the two. Well, and I, I don't care. Hey. Hey. I love you. I, I love you and I'm sick. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm getting corrective oral surgery tomorrow for my teeth. Well, I love you, Brad. Brad the bartender. You want to love me back? Well, love me back and I'll be good to you. I'll be goddamn good for you, and I won't, I won't be mad if you don't know who said what. I won't punish you Brad, if you get the answer wrong. Honey, I can teach and tell you. You have a special Samuel secret Johnson. crush over here, I think. Shut don't up! Take him too, lovely. You mind you your own hurt. business. Gently, son. Brad, I, I know that you don't love me now. It is a dangerous thing to confuse children with angels. And you want to know the, the common element for the entire group, like he asks? Well, I'll tell you the answer. I'll tell you, because I had that question. I had that same question. Carbon. Carbon and pencil lead, and it's in the form of graphite and in coal, and it's all mixed up with other impurities. And in the diamond, it's in hard form. Well, uh, all we really wanted to know was the common element, Donnie, but thank you for all that unnecessary knowledge. <laughs> Kids, and so full of useless thoughts, eh? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And the book says we may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. And no, it is not dangerous to confuse children with angels. How did that feel? Yeah, felt good. I think that means our little mini-sode is over. Yeah. Feeling a little raw and emotional now. Yeah. Can can you finish up for me? Of course. Well, listener, we hope you've enjoyed our performances. And not to fret, we'll be back next week 
to discuss Deathbed, the bed that eats. Yeah, sorry, sorry if this was disappointing. We'll, we'll, we'll do better next week. Bye. We'll see you then. Good night. <laughs> Oh, my God.